You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This week's guest started his career at TFC. He then spent time playing in Spain. He came home and signed for York 9 where he is the captain. He's the first person to be shown a red card in the CPL. Ladies and gentlemen, the landlord and staff of the Down the Pub podcast are pleased to present Manny Aparicio. We are joined by York 9 captain, Manny Aparicio. Very good. Oh, yes. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. And our regular barfly, Carlos Benitez, is here as well. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me again, I guess. <laughs> so um, the first question I have for you is, uh, so, so you ruined... Canada Day for me with your song choices that you had um, <laughs> the top three Canadian songs where did these where did that come from do you just have to pluck them out of the air somewhere the only ones you could think of or are they actually your favorite songs well to tell uh, I don't mind them uh, if, uh, but to tell you the truth most of my playlists are usually in Spanish uh, <laughs> okay so so when you know I was asked to to give a playlist with with Canadian singers and or rappers or artists I knew everyone's was going to be Drake the weekend Justin Bieber you know all the normal guys um so you know I just I thought to have some fun with it I do like the songs though they're not bad songs <laughs> yeah okay, so-, so this is your chance to redeem yourself you can tell us the three Spanish songs that you have there and I can judge <laughs> like right now I'm listening to a lot of Anuel the the new album he he brought out okay uh, reggaetonera uh, from Manuel is a big song right now mm-hmm. uh, Bad Bunny has some good songs Safaeda uh, Macunacita um, yeah. I think those two albums right now are the best ones for me so you're a big reggaeton guy yeah basically okay can't you like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all the South American players like you know they play that in the local room so that's why go for it, Anthony sorry to interrupt yeah you. I was just uh, like you know I just pictured you at a train and humming uh, man I feel like a woman by Shania Twain so I was just <laughs> <laughs> you should see the change in with that song <laughs> <laughs> oh god so um, the, the first question I have for you is like obviously um, we're all still waiting for the CPL to get going and it's like it's just we're just sitting waiting for social media to tell us something's going on. So what's the mood been like in the squad? Like obviously uh, trying to keep you're, – you're the captain, so you have to keep the morale up of everybody. Like what's the mood been around the squad? Yeah, like you said, you know, we're, we're also waiting for the news. We're also getting waiting for the green light to, to get the news that we're starting again. Um, right now the morale is, you know, we, we've, we're just happy to be back playing. Uh, we see the, you know, the circumstances and how the country's dealing with everything. And, and we see, you know, a lot of our family members have been affected jobs-wise and lives-wise. Um, so, you know, we're just happy right now to, to be able to train and be able to have that exceptions uh, compared to other people. Um, but, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, it's been, I think, or a little bit over five weeks since we started training. 
Um, so hopefully, you know, uh, sooner rather than later, we get some news and, and some good news that, that we'll be playing, hopefully. Yeah, I, I saw there, uh, there was a one soccer thing the other day, and I think Oliver Platt said that there should be some good news this week. So but I feel like everybody keeps saying that every week. So uh, we'll keep our fingers tough. crossed. Yeah, exactly. It's tough. I mean, I, I, you know, you can't really blame anyone because it is basically the first time this is happening. And, and, and you see other leagues maybe starting too soon and stuff like that, where I, from what the way I see it, you know, the CPL is just trying to do everything in their power to to not cause an outbreak or, or to not cause any problems with players or if anyone does have it, you know, anything like that, which I think it is in the best interest, you know, health-wise and, and, and person-wise. Obviously, when it comes to soccer, everyone just wants to play, but I think health-wise, it is the best thing to do. And also, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of people don't know and don't realize that uh, there's a lot of provinces that have their own regulations. And, uh, you know, like, Besides, like, the number of people infected or not, every province has a different, for example, here in Halifax and old Nova Scotia, like the Maritimes, like, we have the bubble and they, we just opened it a few weeks ago. So it's just different. Like, you know, yeah. every, every every province has its own regulations. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the way it should be. And I feel like fans have we, – we are all impatient because we want football back. But we have to be patient and understand that every province works different. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And the good thing, at least, that the league is is doing in that sense is that knowing that all the provinces are different, we're moving through the phases as a as a mm -hmm. league. So even if, let's say, for example, Halifax is a little bit ahead, uh, maybe the people can go out more than in Toronto. But you know, teams wise, we're all moving through the phases as, as a group. So you know, there's no advantage there in that sense, which which is a good thing for for everyone. Good. Yeah, definitely that's that's fair that they've done that, to be honest, because I know that Edmonton kind of started a little bit later than everybody else, so it's kind of it's, it's a level playing field. Um, so during the, the off-season, uh, Paul Salteri has come in, and from the, the guys who talked, we, we seem to be the official York 9 podcast lately, but uh, uh, we, we, we were talking to a couple of the guys, and they say that uh, Paul's definitely been putting you guys uh, through your paces. Um, what, what's, what, how's he kind of influenced the dressing room? Because obviously he's a Canadian legend. And uh, what's he done for you personally? Yeah, I think to tell you the truth, Paul's probably been if one of the best, if not the best signing we did in the offseason. Um, he's come in with a whole new mentality, just a winner's mentality. You know, he, he had to scrape through everything when, as, at a young age, going overseas, going to Germany, um, you know, and, and that shows in his coaching style as well. Uh, his mentality is always, you know, give 100%. Um, obviously, in these first few weeks, uh, the first almost three weeks was phase one, where it was one-on-one -on -one training, basically. It was four players at a time on the pitch. And we would kind of rotate through stations. And, you know, you can ask anyone, when you were in Paul's stations, you knew you were going to be sweating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he's just a, a type of guy, you know, he demands the best out of everyone. He demands, you know, everyone be switched on at all moments. Uh, and I think it's something that we needed uh, last year throughout the season. I think that a lot of games we lost because of lack of concentration. Uh, a lot of games, you know, just uh, a misplay and we lose by one goal. Or even just games where we kind of just switched off in general. Uh, and I think, you know, he's come in and really tried to change that around. Obviously, right now, you know, we can't really do much outside of the field where it comes to, you know, uh, you know team uh, bonding and things like that, where I know he, he would definitely be involved in that as well. 
Um, but in regards of him, I think he's, he's been a great signing. He's a great addition to the team. Uh, him and Jimmy know each other very well from back in the day. So, you know, they work well together and they can easily, you know, a guy, one of them takes part of the training session and it automatically leads into the other person's side of it. So I think it's going very good so far. Yeah, it's probably the, uh, when you're, when we do get playing and you look over after a mistake and you see Paul there, you just know you're going to end up doing like a ton of laps if you don't, if you don't fix it, right? So, uh, tell you the truth, if you make a mistake, I think the last thing we would do is look over at Paul. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it, love it. I'm not, I'm not too sure that Ryan Telford would be happy to say that you're saying that Paul Salteri was the best signing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but I know Ryan, so... <laughs> So, so I see. I, I we've had uh, Angus on the the podcast, and uh, he's definitely changed a lot of stuff with the club, the way that you guys kind of run things and stuff like that. And this week, he's brought in Sam Gregory as a uh, on-field analytics director. Yeah. I don't know how. Like, I feel like he just likes to make big titles for everybody. But um, <laughs> so where, where do you think that's going to help you guys having that sort of on-field like analytics, like in the in for yourself personally, like you know, like uh, do they use that in training now, or do you think it's something that they're going to use in the future? Or, or we, uh, we we haven't uh, got into that yet. Um, we we do have, you know, we we film every training session, and and Angus does watch it over and try to give us feedback and stuff like that. Um, and more than anything, for the coaches as well, you know, you get to see uh, just everything from a broad, broad, broader picture. Um, as towards him, uh, we haven't met each other yet. He hasn't. We know obviously right now. It's limited people on the field, limited, you know, personnel on the field right now. So we can't really have meetings or, or introductions or anything like that. Um, but, you know, I'm sure the idea from, from what I understand is to have someone uh, who, one, will help in the offseason uh, in, in scouting uh, and to help with, uh, you know, all the data analytics that come with football, you know, seeing uh, what a player is doing right, what he's doing wrong. Uh, obviously, when it comes to numbers more than anything, uh, which some people might agree or disagree with in, in the world of football. But at the end of the day, if, you know, stats don't lie. Uh, and if you're contributing more than other players to the team, maybe, you know, it's something we, you, you have to talk about. Or if you're contributing less, the same thing. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're always excited for additions to the, to the squad and to the team. And hopefully it just helps overall with, with everything that has to do with us. Yeah, like as I said, we were talking to him on the podcast, and it definitely seems to be. Obviously, he's worked for Opta and stuff like that, so he does take analytics very, very seriously. So, like, does after watching the the videos and stuff like that, does Jimmy take you guys aside and say, "Hey, I watched the video and I know it's like, like you know, you're 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 taking an extra touch when you shouldn't that kind of stuff." Does, is that we we haven't is? yet because uh, to tell you the truth, we started almost I think not even five days ago into actually group training. So uh, up until now, it was basically, like I said, one-on-one -on -one training or uh, the last week was phase two, which was um, kind of like just, uh, it was five aside, five on each half of the field. Um, so it still wasn't anything where, you know, no contact, no uh, phases of play. It was more than anything, just like passing drills, shooting drills, things like that, where it's more than anything a fitness type of, of training than, you know, tactical or anything like that. I'm sure it is something we will use because I know Jimmy is big, big on all that. We did it a lot last year. Uh, we would watch over a lot of games and on opposition, on ourselves, on everything. So I'm sure now with with him in the back and and with everything they've they've brought in, I'm sure it'll be even more. 
And just before I hand it over to Carlos, is it true that Angus is going to dress up as the new mascot? <laughs> I don't know. No comment on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Where you go there, Carlos? Yeah, I was, I was just going to handle, like, just to tag along with Anthony before he goes out of my mind. What's your take on Yorkie? I don't know. I mean, I, I liked him. When I saw him on in the tunnel and coming out and when I would see him with the fans and stuff, I, I liked him. I, I thought he got people excited and, and pumped for the games. Uh, but, you know, I guess a marketing move was, was to, I don't know if it was kill him off or I don't know what it was that happened, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like there should be some sort of, like, a storyboard about, like, what actually <laughs> happened to him in the offseason. There's a lot of people <laughs> interested to tell you the truth. A lot of people have asked me. <laughs> he was in a barrel going over Niagara Falls or something. <laughs> I don't think anyone expected this much fuzz over it, but it created some movement. <laughs> Yeah. We've, nothing, we've nothing else to worry about because the season hasn't started. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sorry, good. Carlos. No, it's okay. Uh, but my question is uh, just back to the beginnings when you started. You, you're from uh, Toronto 2 Academy, right? Yeah. You uh, start? I start, yeah. I started with the Academy when I was uh, 13 years old, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so um was looking on one of, of the stats. So... I think um, Petrasso's from the academy. Did you end up playing with him in the academy in TFC TFC two or? Yeah, not on TFC two because TFC two was my last year that I was there. That was mm-hmm. that's the USL team. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did play on the academy. We actually played. I don't even want to say a year because that's when he ended up making a move over to England. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have played. I've played with Mike. I've played with Luca. Uh, with the national team, uh, Chris, we played together. Chris Manella, we've played together in in the academy a lot of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's quite a bit of guys that you know we we have you know similar careers, similar paths that we've taken. That's good because that can develop a chemistry on pitch. And speaking of chemistry and style of playing, you play a lot of years in Spain. Uh, can you tell us more about this? How was your adventure to Spain, and also how? the Spanish game kind of mold you into the player you are now because you're a very technical player and Spain, it's kind of like the land of midfielders, like Argentina too. So you have the, the, you're from Argentina. So like, you know, like you're very technical. So if you can tell us more like how the Spanish game helped you to develop and mold you to become a better soccer player. Yeah, my, well, my my journey kind of started when I left TFC. Um, I finished with them, I think it was 2016. Uh, and I tried to, it, because obviously the seasons kind of don't line up with Europe. Uh, in January, I went over to England for some trials. I was with Reading U21 at the time. Um, and it didn't work out. I just, you know, I wasn't able to get a contract. So when obviously it took a while for me to, to kind of get that feedback from the club. And by the time, you know, things had kind of turned around, uh, the transfer window was closed. So I ended up going from end of January, basically, until almost like June, July to uh, Argentina uh, to play for Quilmes. They were first division oh. side at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't sign any contract or anything just because the, the situation in Argentina isn't the greatest. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I have family there, so it was, it wasn't an, a bad transition for me. And it was just a way for me to, to keep playing and, and keep on getting, you know, good trainings in because at the time I didn't have really have much. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when actually one of, I, I was working with an agent at the time who had a connection in, in Spain because it was the guy who took uh, Julian de Guzman over when, when he went over there. Uh-huh. Um, so obviously I got in contact with Julian. He ended up connecting me to, to this guy, Juan. Uh, and I was able to make my, my way over to Spain. Um, fortunately for me, I have my Italian passport from, okay. from my grandmother. Uh, so, you know, it was a lot, of, a lot easier transition where it comes to, you know, visa and paperwork and all that with stuff. I was just yeah. able to, yeah, exactly. I was able to enter and just, you know, stay. Um, and yeah, and I played there for, for three different clubs. And like you said, you know, over there, the style is very uh, midfield like based. Uh, everything, every team basically tries to play a lot through the midfield. Um, and to tell you the truth, when I was over there, I was almost playing as a as a right winger, um, oh. because most most teams were playing a four three three, a four two three one, where yeah. they would want the wingers to to come in and link up play. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like a four five one, all midfielders in the middle, uh, and and one lone striker, uh, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed a lot. Like like you said, you know, it developed me to to the player I am today. Uh, I also like to, you know, be that in that physical type of game as well, where, you know, I guess that kind of comes into the Canadian style of football. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, Spain for me was, was very, uh, very good to me. Uh, the, the lifestyle, the, the way I, I learned to basically take care of myself as well, because I went over there as a 20 year old, 19 year old. Uh, and, you know, just out of nowhere, I had to live on my own. I uh, learned how to, how to live by myself and, and it changed me uh, to who I am today, basically, and and on the field as well, of course. Um, do you think this is a because um, you you were lucky and for like to have not, not the talent also, but also like you know for your own matter, you have the Italian passport, and this is an issue that I see that a lot of South American players struggle a little bit to play in Europe because a lot of clubs they kind of like not demand you like you have to like have develop a talent and be good. But also sometimes like the passports, uh, believe it or not, it's very important because sometimes clubs won't sign you because, you know, yeah. kind of like the passport is a plus. Do you think that that was a big relief for you, as you were mentioning before, you know, like to, to yeah, stay yeah, longer I, in Spain? But, yeah, the, the reason I actually did my passport was to make my, my transition easier. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to, I don't really need the passport for any other reason than football, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know a lot of, of friends from Argentina. I know a lot of friends from Canada too, that mm-hmm. when they go to some countries in Europe and, and go for trials and stuff, the teams have limited spots for internationals. And if you're mm-hmm. not, you know, the Messi's or the Ronaldo's or, or these great players coming in, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes you get overlooked. And just because of that, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe just because your passport says Canada instead of Brazil, Mm-hmm. Uh, you get overlooked and, and they get and then take someone else. Not be not necessarily because you're better or worse, but mm-hmm. sometimes it just has to do with that. Um, and for for my experience, for my experience in Spain, uh, the Spanish teams tend to want to build their own Spanish players. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, that's that. Well, that's the idea in CPL now. Actually, uh, you know, you try to have your own base of players and your youth and and bring up players to to better your national team and your league. So. I mean, it's not bad, but you know, as a as a as someone not from the country, it's not not always in your favor. Yeah, right on. Um, before I pass it to Anthony, one last one I wanted to ask you. Um, what what do you think was the biggest difference? Because you play in Division Two in Spain and also kind of like Division Three 
mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. What are the biggest difference? Because I saw some videos of Division Two and like the, the football, the quality is great, and I ne- I never had the chance to watch Division Three. If you can tell us more about what was the biggest difference and what was the biggest kind of like the best things that happened to you when you play in Division Three, how that helped you your transition in Spain. Yeah, I mean the the biggest difference, uh, for example, in those divisions are are usually clubs who were maybe in first division, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just clubs that ended up falling through the cracks or went bankrupt or things like that. Because Spain had a, a very tough period uh, back in the day where you know a lot of a lot of parts of the country and a lot of people, you know, it was a whole crisis over there. Um, but yeah, I mean, division three, in my opinion, well, both, you know, any any type of division over there is huge. Uh, it's very big. Uh, you have your following base. You have fans. You have good football. At the end of the day, you're surrounded by so many countries in Europe that there's so many people that want that opportunity to to make that jump. Because in the the realistic part of it is that if you have one good season, you can make a jump easily. Um, and that's Europe in general, not just Spain. Uh, you have one good season, for example, as a forward, you score twenty twenty five goals, and all of a sudden you have a huge contract on your on your table. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like that really drives it. Uh, then from my, in my perspective, the biggest thing in football that we don't have here yet is the promotion and regulation. Uh, that for me is what kind of drives the athlete and the player and, and the teams in general to, to want more and to keep that, you know, that mentality of, of, of winning and losing and, and fighting for every game. I think that, you know, obviously as an athlete, it's, it's kind of tough to say that because you always do want to win. Mm-hmm. But you know, when when the president's behind you telling you, "Hey, if you don't win, uh, like it's bad things pressure. will happen, or someone else will come and, and take your spot, or stuff like yeah. that," then then you really get going. Um, but that's the main difference I see from over there to to here, I guess. Yeah, the pressure is higher. And what about the wine? Which wine is better, Spanish or Argentinian? The football. The spa- The wine. Oh, the wine. <laughs> well, if I had to drink some, I don't drink much at all, but if I had to drink some, I would probably pick Argentina. Oh, there we go. There you go. <laughs> go for it, Anthony. Yeah, no worries. With, with TFC, um, what do they need to do more to bring players through? Because there's so many academy players playing in the CPL, uh, whether it's from the Whitecaps, the Impact, TFC – why? What do they need to do to bring players through rather than just keep having like bringing in designated players and, and all that kind of stuff? There seems to be so many kids that seem to get left by the the wayside a little bit. Um, is there anything you think that they need to do to kind of bring Canadian talent through a little bit more? Yeah, I mean that'd be tough to say. I'm from from what I know and I understand, TFC's put a lot of a lot of money and a lot of you know time into developing kids. They've when I was around, it was only U17. That was the lowest age group that we had. Uh, and now, from my understanding, you have camps as low as like U5, you know, starting at very young ages where they're trying to already scout players and, and see what, what's around in the areas. Um, when it comes to playing time and, and stuff, you know, sometimes, at least for TFC, when, when you've been in two finals in the last three years and, and you're a champion and stuff, you start to draw in so much interest that, it's kind of tough to, you know, to turn that down when you do have the money and you have <laughs> the interest. It's, it's tough to say no to a Piatti, to Pozuelo, you know, to these guys coming in and, and being superstars here or a Jovinko coming in and killing it. 
Um, obviously, it, it, in, in a Canadian perspective, yeah, it sucks that we don't have as many playing in MLS in the Canadian teams when you compare it to the Americans in the American teams. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's – I don't know what, what can be said, you know, to, to management and stuff like that. I think, you know, at the end of the day, they're an organization who just wants to win. And if, if they see fit that, you know, other players have to play, then I think that's what they're going to do no matter what. Yeah, it's just it, like obviously with the amount of talent that's coming through now in, in Canada, it's kind of be, be good to see them to do that, see more Canadians like kind of make it through. Like, I mean, like obviously, like Al- Alfonso and Jonathan David and stuff like that, but um, just seeing like guys like yourself and stuff like that, just kind of you end up having to go to, to Europe to play. It's, like, I know obviously the CPL is going to change that a little bit. Um, how hard was that decision to, to move to, to Spain and be away from your family and? No, for me, to tell you the truth, it wasn't very hard at all. Um, you don't maybe like your, now. Is your family awful or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, God. I love them. I love them. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Just in case Jesus they hear uh, no, but uh, as, as a kid, I, I was born in Tina. I moved to Canada when I was 9, 10 years old. And in Canada, I only have my parents, my brother, and my sister, right? So I've kind of adapted to us being on our own already where every year we would go for vacation over there and try to see everyone. So it wasn't the end of the world for me. Uh, I was also 19 years old where, you know, you you think you can risk it all. And maybe now with almost 25, you know, you're thinking again and be like, Oh, maybe it's better to stay and do something else or, but at 19 years old, I had the opportunity. Uh, It was always a dream of mine to, to have that chance in Europe and, and have that chance into cracking into to Spain or whatever league it was over there. It was always a dream of mine. Uh, so, you know, I didn't even think twice about it. When I was in Argentina and I got the call that I had some trials in Spain, I, I got on the first flight over there. Nice. Um, so you kind of, as you said, you played for a few teams, so you're kind of like team hopping a little bit. Um, was, was there a reason for that? Like, were you just signing one-year contracts every time or? Yeah, my, my first year it was in third division. Um, so I, I signed a one-year contract. Just It was my first time stepping foot in in Europe I didn't know how the leagues were going to be I didn't know really anything to tell you the truth and I had a very good season Uh, I played basically every game of of that season Uh, and I got signed by a second division club uh, which again because I was making that jump up you know they only gave me a one-year contract and but you know it was a good opportunity so I took it no problem and then my third year uh, I was actually (laughs) When I came back for the summer, I was already kind of in talks and, and you know, looking at the CPL um, and, and seeing what my options were going to be, if it was going to be possible to come back or not. Um, so when I signed my contract, I, I purposely put a clause in my, in my contract saying that I could leave halfway through the season, which is December, January, uh, which would give me a little bit of time to get over here, you know, maybe start preseason in February, March. And that's what ended up happening. You know, I was I was able to to kind of have a deal over here already, kind of ready, and then I took my chances. I came back home, and and yeah, and that was it. Awesome. And uh, what was it about the the York Nine project that kind of attracted you to come back to to York? Well, at the time, there wasn't really much of a project in place. There wasn't many many people signed or anything like that. It was more than anything just just Jimmy reaching reaching out to me. Um, I had had him as, as my academy coach when I first got uh, into the TFC Academy, that he moved up the TFC first team and, and I moved up the year after. Uh, so it was kind of just like, you know, I knew him. 
he knew who I played. He knew the style of football he wanted to play. And he just, you know, preached to me all the stuff he wanted to do with the club, that it was going to be a good opportunity, um, good opportunity to get back into Canadian football and, and maybe help this league grow a little bit. Uh, and, you know, I just, it's a guy who I've had a lot of trust, uh, trust with over the years and, and I've always kept in contact with even when I was over there in Europe. Uh, so when he came calling and, you know, it just things lined up properly and, and it was a chance to, to come play back or at home. Did you put a clause into your York 9 contract that you have to be the captain? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't do that. <laughs> Far away there, Carlos. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a, kind of like connecting to the captain uh, subject. So when you started at York, what what was the message of of Jimmy Bre of Jimmy Brennan to you? Because a lot of captains, you know, you you kind of like kind of like embrace that at such a young age, being the captain, kind of like a yeah. big responsibility for you and you being overseas and everything. What was the message of Jimmy Brennan to you? It wasn't a discussion about how it's going to be this project develop and everything. If you can tell us and share more a little bit when all yeah, this started. I mean, for, for me, it's uh, out of obviously my, my time when I was a kid, it's my first time being captain of, of a professional club. I've always been a very talkative person and yelling on the field and, you know, trying to get guys going in practice and stuff like that. Uh, and I guess maybe Jimmy and, and Carm at the time, who was the assistant coach, uh, saw that in me and saw that maybe I was, you know, helping the team grow in that sense where I was bringing in that competitiveness. Uh, Jimmy, when I was actually, when I was in the academy, he would always tell me it was my Spanish flair. Uh, that <laughs> I always get a little bit crazy when when things get going and stuff. I just get riled up and you know. It's the Argentina uh, coming out. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's in the blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, when you know we were in preseason, um, you know, we were all getting kind of to know each other. There was a lot of first year pros, uh, and and guys like me, Joe, Kyle Porter, Nate Ingham. Uh, Roger, Luca, all these guys that we were kind of, even though we are young, uh, some of us, we do have that experience that most of the guys on, the, on our first year team didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of guys were coming from League One or universities or colleges or whatever it was. Uh, so I guess they saw that in us and tried to, you know, that's why we also had quite a bit of captains when, when it got announced. We was five or six of us. Mm -hmm. Because we were all kind of helping uh, in, in growing that, you know, competitiveness in practice and knowing that, you know, yeah, you're coming from a League One or a college or club team, but that jump to professionalism, obviously you can have all the skill in the world, but it's about showing up every single day and training hard every single day because that's what you end up seeing on the pitch. And, and a lot of people, I, I look at, you know, when I was a kid as well, and sometimes you take a day off or you take a, a drill off or something like that. And that, that just, you know, hurts the team in general. Uh, so obviously, yeah, I, I, wear the, I wear the armband for the games where I did last year. Mm -hmm. um, but as, as a team, we're all very much leaders. Uh, all these guys that I named, we're all kind of the leaders in our own way. Uh, and, and we try to help the young guys as much as we can. Uh, so I, I think more than anything, it's how we spread it out, you know, between all us is, is how it really works out. That's good. And as a captain, also, like, you have to welcome, you know, the newcomers uh, that they're, you know, on the new roster. Yeah. And one of those is Brian Lopez. 
Uh, he comes from Racing B, Racing C, if I'm not mistaken, from the yeah. academies. So it's it's one of the talents that I'm very intrigued to watch in the CPL because he has some pedigree, you know, the way he plays. How's that partnership development? You, think, you know, like two two midfielders and two Argentinians in Europe. Like, how's that? Uh, how, how has been training or some training, if you can tell us? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he, he came to to um, Florida when we were over there for preseason. Uh, and then that got cut short. So then when we came back into Canada, he didn't have his visa yet. So right now he's still in Argentina. Um, obviously, they're trying to do all the paperwork and trying to get him over. Uh, trying First of all, I'm guessing first trying to see if there's, if there's a league to be played. But with all that, you know, trying to do all the paperwork. Um, but yeah, you know, he, he was good when he was with us. It was only about two, three weeks. Uh, and like you said, you know, when, when you have someone from your country coming, you, you know, it's so much easier for him as well because he didn't really speak much English mm-hmm. uh, to be able to kind of guide him through that. He is also a young kid. He's, I think he's a 99. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's, you know, he's, he's young. Um, and yeah, he came from a huge club. Uh, in Argentina, it's basically yeah. Boca River and then Racing Independiente are like the, the top clubs in, in Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to be able to be in one of those academies and, and be – from what he had told me, being trainings with first team and all that is, is very big for him. Um, I, guess I guess you guys a good opportunity here, but mm-hmm. yeah. I guess you guys are in touch. Like you're telling me, can you bring me Mate? You're a player that made history in the Canadian Premier League because I'll tell you two, two highlights. The first one is you are the first CPL player to got a red card. Yeah, I figured that was coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was, but you got it like in the 90 minute or 90 plus minute. Like it was just like at the very end. Can you tell Yeah, us that more? was my second yellow. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it was a, a yeah, the double yellow. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally like 92nd, 93rd minute. It was the last play of the game. Uh, and we were kind of out of position in that, in that minute of the game. Uh, and Borges kind of dropped the shoulder on me and I slipped on the turf. And when I got to the ground, I slipped. <laughs> yeah, let's say slip. Let's say slip. <laughs> I, yeah, just... I, slipped, I slipped on the turf. <laughs> um, and when I was falling down, my first reaction was just stop the play, you know, and, and I kind of mm-hmm. reached over. I tried to grab the ball and I did touch it with my hand, but the ball kept on going. So I didn't even like actually stop Borges from, from <laughs> running with the ball. So he kept on going. Uh, and Rodrigo Gatas, that was his first game, first game with us as well, mm-hmm. uh, pulled him to the ground. And I guess, you know, the ref, instead of calling the second one, he called the first one. And since it was me, I got my second yellow. And they literally took that free kick. We cleared it and the game was over. I, I wasn't even like in the tunnel yet and the game was over already. So it was just, oh, yeah. it was so disappointing. It, I was so mad that day. I was expecting just like the hands, you know, like kind of like Argentine and Italians when, you know, when you get booked, you go to the referee and you're like, why are you looking? You know, like, I, you, I was expecting that coming yeah. up and you were like so calm. Okay. And then like, you know, as you're, as you're like, explaining us, like, it was tough. It was, it was tough. the end of the game. I to swallow because obviously I knew I was in the wrong. I did handball the ball and, and you know, it is, it is the yellow card. Uh, but it was tough just knowing that it was, you know, last play of the game and Rodrigo had actually pulled board just to the ground. Uh, so it was kind of like, okay, you could have easily just called out and give him a yellow and, you know, we would have all been good. Uh, but, you know, the ref at the, in, in the moment did his job and it is what it is. 
Did, I, did you start complaining to the referee and saying like, "What about him?" <laughs> I didn't, but I should have. <laughs> uh, the other one before I pass it to Anthony, the other highlight. It's not only negative, Anthony. It's all also positive. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, it's uh, you were highlighted in ESPN though, like that that goal against Pacific. Yeah, that 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 was that was that was a good goal. Like I saw that you got the ball and you saw like the, the keeper was kind of like a little bit outside in the outside, box and yeah. you just like shoot it. Can you tell us more? Like because everybody went like, "Whoa, that, yeah, that, was, that was a huge goal." That was the, I was the, I even said "Whoa" when I went in. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant from, to do. <laughs> yeah. I tried to switch the play to the other side of the. <laughs> it was a great goal um i don't usually shoot from that far out uh, believe it or not <laughs> um, that was the only one like that i think <laughs> yeah 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 but you know, it, that yeah uh nolan worth was in goal that day actually and we played together on the national team the youth national teams quite a bit uh mm -hmm. so we had a big laugh about it after because you know it's just it had to be on him uh but yeah it You know, I, I, I got it from Abzi on the left-hand side. I started dribbling. No one was coming out to me. And, you know, I saw a chance to shoot. And it just, you know, it's one of those shots when you connect on the ball, you, you just feel that it's, you know, it's a very good hit. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, it went in amazingly, but it went in. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That, that was a good... Just uh, speaking about the, uh, the national team, um, how was it like making your senior debut for the... Not a lot of people yeah. get to do it. Yeah, that was huge. Um, at the time, it was Benito Floro as the coach, and I had gone to a couple camps before that. Uh, and in that camp, you know, we, we ended up going to New York to play Colombia. And yeah, for me, it was a huge day. It, it, it wasn't much minutes that we got. Uh, me and Jordan Hamilton came on at the same time to make our debut for the national team. Uh, and yeah, th the biggest thing I remember from that day is that I actually went on on a free kick on top of the box. And as I was going on, Benito called me over and he goes, Manu, when you get on, you take the free kick. It was literally top of the box, 20, 25 <laughs> yards out. And I was like 17 years old. <laughs> I, was, I was already sweating before I even got on the field. <laughs> Again, Sospina. That was a Colombia. That was Sospina, Cuadrado, James, even Falcao. Falcao was right yeah. 2014. Wow. That was yeah. before the World Cup. So Exactly. Yeah. It, it, and, and I watched Falcao and River play it going up, and I was just yeah. like, what's going on? <laughs> so well, when, you, when you were 17 and you're walking over to take the free kick, did, did, did everybody else just tell it to fuck off? <laughs> Oh, when I was over, who is this my, legs, my legs were shaking like crazy. <laughs> oh god! I was trembling. I couldn't believe what was going on. And actually, Julian de Guzman was was on that day. Uh, that was probably I, I don't know if that was one of his last games, but it was it was towards the end of his career. And you know, he he took me a lot under his wing uh, with the national team and, and and club level and stuff. And I walk on, and I guess Benito had already told them. Julian spoke Spanish, so, you know, it was easy for them to communicate. And, and when I got on, he goes, Manu, put the – and I, we, me, we actually trained free kicks that whole camp. Uh, and he goes, this, this one's it. You're scoring it. And I go, I kick it. I hit it straight at the wall. Just <laughs> horrible, <laughs> horrible free kick. <laughs> and, then, and that was the end of your international career. <laughs> and that was really high. <laughs> 
god. I'm surprised they even hit the ball to say the truth. <laughs> my legs were shaking like crazy. It was, but it, I mean, I, I was super happy after, you know, to be able to make debut for, for my country and stuff was huge. And uh, yeah, you know, a lot of thanks to Benito and to Julian and to everyone involved in that team. Did you, uh, did you get any jerseys? At, did you swap any jerseys at the end? Yeah, I actually swapped with uh, Teo Gutierrez. He oh, on, nice. Yeah, he was yeah. on River Plate at the time as well. Um, and basically the, you know, the Hamas, the Falcaos and stuff, all the, the veteran guys had kind of already switched with them. So I saw who I could get and I was like, oh, Teo's on River Plate. I might as well get him. And, and yeah, I still have it to this day. Oh, wow. Nice. What, yeah, it's nice. What a player, too. Yeah, he's a good player. Very good player. Yeah. So, just um, I know that you played for Canada in the under-20 uh, Milk Cup uh, yep. in, in Northern Ireland. Um, how crazy is that? Like, so many of those players on that team are now playing in the CPL. Yeah, I mean, a lot a lot of the players I've played with uh, in the youth teams uh, in, in, with the national team, you know, are in this league now. Uh in the Mill Cup, there's a lot. Um, we also had uh, Pan Ams. There's a lot from those teams as well. You know, it's a mix of teams where if you look at their rosters, there's uh, quite a bit of players who are now in CPL. Um, but, yeah, those, those tournaments for me were always good. Uh, it was always a good break from, from your club level. Uh, you know, get to travel a little bit, get to represent your country and, and, and you know, hopefully win some tournaments and, uh, make some some you know new friends and some partnerships with with guys who are now my teammates actually. So uh, I was always excited to go with the national team. You know, it's always a pride to go represent Canada, uh, and it was for everyone else involved as well. So you, you lost to uh, Northern Ireland in the in the final of that. Yeah. Do, do you think that you deserve to to lose? I to mean, <laughs> to tell you the truth, I don't I don't remember game like minimum I've been in the the game. But I do remember that tournament. We did play very well. Uh, we had some very good games. And if I remember correctly, that game, we actually had a lot of chances. Um, I remember Callum, Irv, uh, he, he was on Valor last year. He missed a wide open net where it was just like, how do you miss it? Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it was, they were at home, so they did have that advantage. They had a lot of people behind them. Uh, but it was a great tournament overall. Yeah, I was just reading up on it earlier on, and it just sounded like that there was a dodgy referee that kind of did just have a few things in the in the final. So, um, sounds about right. It was surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Referees. Yeah. What do we expect from this York Nine? You know, compared to to last year, uh, I feel like the club is doing like really big changes. Like a, a lot of positive changes are happening for the club. And especially not off the field, also in the field. So yeah. you guys are having like big signings and everything. What what do we expect from York Nine for this season if we have one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, to tell you the truth, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't have a regular season. Mm -hmm. With with this with the squad that we built during the off season with the with the players that came in, uh, I was actually very looking forward to to having a full whatever, 25, 30 game season, because I think we, we have on paper, at least, uh, if not the best, one of the best teams in CPL right now. Um, mm -hmm. And we were all very, very excited for this season. You know, preseason was going good. Our trainings were intense and, you know, the, the level was very high compared to last year. Mm -hmm. um, so we were very excited to get going and obviously it got, it got cut. So I think if, if we are able to have a season with however many games it may be, 
uh, I think you know we'll be a a very good team. Uh, last year we we were we were a good team. Uh, we were inconsistent at times, um, and I think that's what we're kind of nailing down this year, uh, being more consistent and having a little bit more depth in our squad. Um, but I think you know our movements in off season, be it you know coaching staff and and players and everything that has to do on the field uh, have been very positive altogether. Yeah, um, and speaking of playing, what's your take on on the team when when you guys come to Halifax and play against the Wonders? Like, what's the, uh, you guys like feel the presence of the you know the atmosphere of the Wonders? Like, what your team says? Because like we normally ask this question because you know we are on the stands watching, yeah. but as a player you feel it right because you 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 feel all that all the banter. Yeah, At home Halifax was a fortress there. Uh, mm. I remember every time, you know, we went to play there, we, we did have a few misses. I, I don't know if you guys remember, it's like 90-something minutes of, of the first game away at you guys, and Rodrigo missed a sitter, uh, mm -hmm. Gatas. The goalie kind of tried to clear it, went straight to his foot. It was like 92nd yeah. minute of the game. Uh, we, almost, we also missed a penalty over there. Mm -hmm. um, but, it, you know, the presence in, in Halifax was huge. Uh, even just walking, like, for example, pre, uh, the, the day before the game, You, you could see that, you know, people were really into, into the football there. You see, you saw flags, you saw cars with stickers, you saw mm -hmm. people coming up and asking us, are you guys York Nine? Are you here to play Halifax? Like, you know, it was, it was something where at least in Toronto or in other parts of, of you know, of, the, of Canada where, where other teams are playing, we didn't really have that, which I think is, is a huge bonus for the city and for the players. Uh, and then same thing, you know, the, the ground was unbelievable. Uh, the, the stadium they put up over there and, and how close it is to the field. Mm -hmm. uh, you can really feel, it, feel uh, the, you know, the environment and the atmosphere in there. It's it, like it, a mini bombonera. Exactly. No, it yeah. really is because yeah. <laughs> sometimes, you know, people, they see a big stadium, but then when it's empty, it doesn't really make a difference, you know. But when you have six, seven, eight thousand fans and it's all enclosed and tight to the pitch, you really do feel it much more than in a big stadium. So, you know, whenever we went to Halifax, I think most of our team was, was very looking forward to those games. Okay, what are your top three favorite midfielders, Manny? And Messi doesn't count because you know you're going to say that. <laughs> Lionel, Messi. <laughs> Lionel, Andres, Messi. Exactly. <laughs> um, I would say Xavi, Iniesta, and mm -hmm. I would probably have to put uh, Aymar. There. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's good. No, recall me. Uh, no, I'm a river fan. <laughs> oh, okay, makes sense. Aymar, what a player! Yeah, he was good. He was a very good player. Yeah. Um. So you're going to play in a five-side tournament, and you can only have players that you've played with. Um, who would be on your team? Five-side. You can include yourself. In in net, Nate. Uh, I think he's a good shot stopper in close range and, you know, quick, quick reactions. Myself, uh, let's just go with uh, some York Nine guys. Joe, Joe's good with his feet. Uh, I would take Orion with some goals up top uh, and Big Lou to, to break some legs in the back. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Luca. Love it, love it. What's, the fav what's your favorite kit you've ever played in? My favorite kit, probably the national team, the Canadian, Canadian kit. Nice. And uh, your your favorite boots? Adidas. Any probably the F50s when they used to make them. Uh, those are my favorite. And now I wear Nemesis, which aren't too bad, but I think the F50s were were the best. Oh, sweet man, sweet. 
<laughs> Carlos, do you have any more? Mate or choripan? <laughs> mate, mate, I'll do. <laughs> I gotta watch. I gotta watch the diet, so I can't eat much choripan. But yeah, <laughs> the mate is every single day, twice, three times a day. You know, I'm always with my mate. Now you're gonna look cool, you know, when you go on training because you every team in Europe has an Argentinian that is always with the mate exactly. and the thermos, you know. Now you and Brian are gonna be the ones like stepping off the bus, you know, with the mate, you know, looking Messi, cool. Messi and Suarez. Messi and Suarez, yeah. <laughs> there you go. You got it right. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So yeah, um, just wanna Thank you so much for hanging out with us, man. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, I did have one more question. Uh, we had Luca on last week, and he said that uh, he's a better captain than you. Is that correct? I'm I mean, joking. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say that. <laughs> it surprised me for, for Luca to say that. He's, he's a very humble guy. Isn't he? <laughs> so it was me and Carlos's goal to get you guys fighting so that way like, we can beat us this year. So. <laughs> get so, some in, in, in the team. Get some fighting. Yeah, <laughs> some seats. Planting some seats. Dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you hanging out. It's been a lot of fun. We've uh, been very a lot so um take care and hopefully we get to see you playing some football this year yeah let's hope so uh thanks for having me it's it's actually been a pleasure it's been really fun uh and yeah let's hope there's a season to play for this year you've been listening to the down the pub podcast thank you to manny and to carlos for hanging out and chatting some football thanks to all our listeners we really do appreciate all your support Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until next time, cheers. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.